Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank Anchor.fm for making the process of starting a podcast so easy, streamlined, and most of all, available. It took me about 10 minutes to create my account and get everything set up. On top of that, Anchor will distribute your podcast to other outlets for you, so you can just focus on creating the best content possible. If that isn't enough to get you started, Anchor will even seek out sponsors for you. It's easy to sign up, you can use your software to record, they distribute for you, and they put money in your pocket. If you want to start a podcast, there is no other way to go than Anchor.fm. I would also like to thank PublicDomainVectors.org. That's where I got my logo. And I would also like to thank Josh Jones. He, had a, he was a huge help in getting my podcast started. He has a podcast himself. It's called The Miseducation of Music, and it is on all platforms. Go check it out. Hello and welcome to the Gladiator Hour. My name is Ryan Johnson, and this is the premiere of my show, which is by a fight fan for fight fans casual or hardcore. Starting off, I will mostly be talking about the UFC just because that's what's most prominent in the media at the moment, but as I go along I want to branch out into smaller promotions uh, and other martial arts such as boxing, uh, Muay Thai, kickboxing, amateur wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and combat karate. Uh, I figured that now would be a great time to start an MMA podcast because this is probably like the most exciting MMA world has been in a long time just because the UFC actually has competition right now. 1FC is becoming a huge, huge promotion, especially worldwide. They're even bigger than the UFC in Asia. And, you know, they've they've really created a space for themselves in the industry. Um, Bellator is also red hot right now. The PFL is having a, a pretty good uh, go of it at the moment. But, you know, the UFC is red hot, and that's kind of what I want to get into right now. For the UFC... Almost every single one of their divisions, of their weight classes, has a title fight set up, with the exception of the women's strawweight division and the women's bantamweight division. Of course, the women's bantamweight division champion is Amanda Nunes, who is also the 135-pound champion, so she already has a fight set up at 135, so she she obviously can't fight at 145. And of course, at 115, at strawweight, Jessica Andrade just took over that division, with a spectacular slam knockout of Rose Namajunas in a fight that was honestly a lot more exciting than I expected. Rose looked amazing on the feet, but unfortunately she, uh, of course, got dropped onto her neck. Um, I just want to go over you know, the title fights that are announced, or suspected at least. Um, most of them are confirmed, but there's maybe one or two that aren't like actually signed, like they don't have signed contracts yet. But we have Jessica I at 125 fighting Valentina Shevchenko in Chicago. We have Holly Holm at 135 fighting on International Fight Week against Amanda Nunes. We have Henry Cejudo at men's 135 against Marlon Marias, also in Chicago on June 8th, which is my birthday. And I live in Chicago, but unfortunately I couldn't get tickets to that, to that event. Um, I'm actually curious about what that means about 125, but I'll, th- I'll think about that later. We got Frankie Edgar for the 145-pound belt, which I'm honestly curious about because he his last he hasn't fought in 2019. His last win was against Cub Swanson in a decision victory, um, and then right before that he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. So I thought that the Alex Val- Valkanovski uh, uh, Jose Aldo fight was going to be a title eliminator, but I guess the UFC had different ideas. We have Dustin Poirier fighting. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov for in a title unification bout. Of course, Dustin Poirier is the interim champion at 155 pounds after Khabib was suspended after the fight with Conor McGregor. 
Um, we have Kobe Covington for the 170-pound belt, which is not confirmed yet. That's the one fight on this list that isn't confirmed. We have Israel Adesanya fighting Robert Whitaker for the 185-pound belt to unify his belt, which I'm very excited for. I think it's a great fight. I love Robert Whitaker. I love Israel Adesanya. They're two of my favorite fighters in the world, so that's going to be a barn burner. Uh, we have Tiago Santos fighting John Jones, and we have DC versus Stipe 2 for the heavyweight belt. Um, first off, the DC, the DC versus Stipe fight, I believe, in my opinion, should have happened a long time ago. It's unfortunate for me that Stipe had to wait this long, uh, with Brock Lesnar kind of just, I don't understand why he let everybody on for so long if he was going to decide just to retire anyway. I mean, maybe he started training and realized, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen. There's no point in me going here to fight someone who's been actually, you know, active, uh, hasn't had to come off of the Mexican supplements, you know, hasn't had to come off a cycle. I'm sure that Brock Lesnar's endocrine system was insanely messed up after he stopped because it looked like he slowed down on it. If you look at how he looked maybe before he got called out and how he looked maybe three months ago, he looks very different, looked a lot flatter. Uh, his traps weren't at his ears. So it looked like, it did look like Brock was going to try to come to the UFC. They said that he re-entered the USADA testing pool, and we hadn't heard anything about that. We hadn't heard that he popped or anything. So by all, by all intents and purposes, we, I, I was figuring that he was going to fight. Even though I didn't agree with him getting that shot, we, we all were kind of taken with that. Now moving on, I would like to get into fighters moving weight divisions. That's a big thing that's happening in the UFC right now. That is act, that's making everything very exciting. Um, we recently had Anthony Pettis move up to 170 and absolutely start Stephen Thompson, which I did not expect. This past weekend, we saw Kevin Lee move up to welterweight. Uh, of course, that did not go well for him. RDA ended up submitting him with a arm triangle in the fourth round. Spectacular submission, spectacular victory for him. He should be moving up the rankings. He was positioned at number three before that, so congratulations to him. We have Luke Rockhold moving up to 205, which I think is going to shake up that division a lot. Uh, bring some new blood to it, which I think is a, good, a very good thing. It's it's something that happens all the time in the UFC, and it seems like a better move. And it, it almost seems like the fighters are taking it upon themselves to kind of take a really bad weight cut out of the picture. It looks like, as a group, they're realizing that, you know, those heavy, like, 30, 40-pound weight cuts are, of course, not healthy whatsoever, and they're making, you know, better decisions for their careers in the long term, and for their health long term. You know, the, the brain trauma that happens from, you know, taking shots to the head right after you cut a shitload of weight, yeah, that, that affects you for the rest of your life. So I'm, I'm very happy to see this happening in the UFC. Uh, and I feel like everybody else should be too. And it makes everything, it shakes everything up. Uh, I, I like it a lot. Of course, we had, just this past weekend, we had the 10th fight card on ESPN+. Plus. It surprised the crap out of me uh, how exciting that card was. It was amazing. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. Out of 13 fights, 9 were finishes, either submissions or knockouts. In my opinion, all those fighters deserved a bonus. Of course, that's not the way it works, but it was it was amazing to watch. It really was. I actually live-tweeted that event, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I got 
a little bit of interaction with some people on Twitter uh, in the MMA community, which was a really interesting experience for me. Um, of course, because I'm just starting off in the podcasting business, I guess. So it was really interesting to, you know, be in kind of a journalist position for the first time um, and to really discuss. It was really nice to, you know, see other fight fans' opinions during the fight. Just to go down the line of stuff that happened during it, Julio, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, Julio Ars knocked out Julian Orosa in the third round. Zach Cummings knocked out Trevin uh, Giles, or submitted Kevin Trevin Giles in the third round. Uh, Patrick Cummins got knocked out by Ed Herman in the first round. Grant Dawson submitted Mike Trezano in the second round. Michelle Pereira had one of the most amazing flying knees I've ever seen against Danny Roberts in the first round. That was awesome. Desmond Green uh, got a decision victory against Charles Jordan. Aspen Ladd and Sihari Eubanks was the uh, featured bout on the preliminary card uh, for good reason. That was an absolute barn burner. I I actually meant to record this episode uh, a few days ago, but I realized that this fight card was happening the next day, so I might as well wait and talk about it. And I'm glad that I did because that that fight was amazing. In my notes for the podcast, I have marked on there that Aspen Ladd and Sahara Eubanks might be a barn burner. Like, it might be a great fight. And they did not disappoint. Um, Aspen Ladd is a... She's a real problem in the Bantamweight division. I can see her fighting for a title this year. Or she probably has one more fight to do before she gets to the title. Um, she was matched up with Holly Holm this year, but that fight fell through for some reason. I'm not too sure why. I think there was an injury involved. I know Holly Holm was the one to drop out, but I'm not sure why she did that. Um, going on to the rest of the card, Davi Hamos got a decision victory over Austin Hubbard. That was a pretty good fight. Charles Oliveira, Oliveira knocked out Nick Lenson in the second round in Nick Lenson's 43rd fight. Um, you know, that, that kind of makes me think that It's one of those things, 43 fights, man. You've been in the game for a long, long time. You have nothing left to prove. Uh, It's not... Nick Lentz is a great fighter, but it's not like he's in a position to really get a lot out of the rest of his career. Um, I, of course, I don't know what his financial situation is. If he's still fighting... If he's fighting for money, that's kind of unfortunate, especially seeing how long his career has been. Uh, So... Hopefully he's considering that. Uh, Derek Krantz, in his UFC debut, got matched up with Vicente Luke, the silent assassin. Uh, that is extremely unfortunate for him, because that dude is absolutely insane. V- Vicente Luke is absolutely, he's a monster in the division. Uh, he's a huge problem. He's going to be fighting for a title very soon. I'm sure of it. Uh, if I could put money on that, I absolutely would. Um... He's he's a monster, man. Like, his striking is amazing. His grappling is next level. He's a very serious problem. Uh, Felicia Spencer in her UFC, de- UFC debut absolutely ragdolled Meg- Megan Anderson. Uh, submitted to her in the first round. Ian Heinish decisioned Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, that was actually a really good fight. It looked like Ian Heinish was having a really rough time in the first round. Uh, he waited it out and ended up coming back very strong in the next couple rounds and got a dis- got a unanimous decision against Antonio Carlos Jr., who is a very excellent jiu-jitsu practitioner, who 
I thought was going to be able to deal with the wrestling of Ian Heinish a lot better. And Ian Heinish is a class act. After the fight, he was very polite to Antonio Carlos Jr. In his interview after, he was very respectful. And I think he's going, he's going to some really good places. He's sitting at 13-1 now, so I think he's going very good place in the middleweight division, which is super exciting at the moment. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos, of course, submitted Kevin Lee with an arm triangle in the fourth round. Uh, overall, man, this, this card, if you didn't like it, you don't like the UFC. That's, that's about it. That's probably all you can say about it. Going on to the upcoming cards, the next card to come up, is the ESPN plus ten, uh, 11 in Stockholm. It's Alex, The main event is Alexander Gustafsson versus Anthony Smith. It looks like a pretty good card. I would like to see a little bit more star power on it, but that's just because I'm greedy. Volkan Ozdemir against Ilya Latifi in the co-main event. They got Jimmy Manuel on the card. Uh, Makwan Amirkani is on that card. It looks like it's going to be a really good one. Uh, an interesting thing I see, though, is Tanya Evinger is on this card. Tanya Evinger is a very interesting person in the UFC to me because it really shows the... That's one of the biggest things to me that shows the advance, how how far women's MMA has come because when she was in Invicta, before the UFC allowed women in, before they had women's divisions, she was a champion. And in the UFC, Tanya doesn't have victory yet. The last person she beat was uh, Yana Kuniskaya, if, I, if I'm saying that correctly. And she has gotten victories in the UFC. She has two. Um, that, to me, just shows how fast women's MMA is developing. Every fight is more and more exciting. Uh, people are getting knocked out way more often. Every fight is better than the last. Um, it's becoming more and more exciting to watch, which is great for the fans. It's great for the sport. It's great for everyone. Uh, moving on, the next fight after that is uh, UFC 238 uh, pay-per-view in Chicago on my birthday, June 8th. Uh, main event, of course, is Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes. Co-main is Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I. We got Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone on that card, which is really the only reason I'm mad about not being there. Um, we have Jimmy Rivera taking on Peter Yan, Tai Tuvasa. Taking on, taking on Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, prelims, we got Tatiana Suarez taking on Nina Ansarov, which I think is going to be a great fight. Tatiana Suarez has one of the best wrestling acumen in MMA today, uh, which is a well-known fact if you pay attention to it, but if you don't, uh, it's a great thing to consider when you're looking at this fight. Aljamain Sterling is taking on Pedro Munoz. Carolina Kowalkiewicz is taking on Alexa Grasso, Ricardo Lamas is fighting again against Calvin Qatar. You know, there's a lot of pretty big names on this on this card. We even have Eddie Wineland coming back. We haven't seen him fight in a long time. Uh, I honestly thought he retired, but guess not. Um, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Marias. That is a very interesting fight to me, just because I'm not really sure what's going to happen to the 125-pound division. The UFC... Of course, they said they're going to close it down, but they actually they haven't said anything really else about it. Um, and the understanding, in my eyes, during the Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw fight was if Henry won, the division would stay around. If he didn't, the division was done. Henry won. We still haven't heard anything about else about the division, and he's moving up to 135, along with a lot of other fighters. 
pretty interesting thing. Uh, Valentina Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica. I, I see Valentina being the champion at 125 pounds for a very long time. I don't I don't see anyone taking that belt from her. He's one of the most. I mean, he's one of the pound for pound. I think he should be a lot higher on the pound for pound rankings. I don't. I mean, I don't see anybody in women's MMA really beating her. Maybe Cyborg. Uh, maybe Amanda Nunes. Uh, she actually has a victory over Amanda Nunes, so I don't even know how that would go. Uh, we got Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. That's that's going to be straight-up brawl. Uh, they both have really good ground game. I don't think Donald Cerrone is going to try to test Tony Ferguson on the ground because he has that spectacular jiu-jitsu. Um, Tony Ferguson, I could see him shooting on Cerrone, but, I mean, they both they both like to strike. They they both like the exciting fight, and that is what ex- what's exciting. Jimmy Rivera, I mean, he's 22-3. and three. That guy, he's... He's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's fought some of the best guys in the division, some of the best guys in the world, so uh, any fight against him is going to be a very, very tough task. And Peter Yan, his last fight was amazing. It was a really good one. So that one, I don't really know who's going to win that. Uh, then we got Tai Tuivasa against Bogoy Ivanov. Tai Tuivasa just lost to Junior Dos Santos. Not just lost. There was a couple fights in between that. But he, got, he caught his first loss against Junior Dos Santos. So I'm interested to see how he takes that and how he comes back from that. Uh, moving on from that, we got Fight Night 154, which is on ESPN Plus. So that's ESPN Plus 12. Uh, I would like to see a little bit, a little bit more on this card. Uh, of course, it's pretty far off. It's June 22nd. Oh, that's actually pretty close. Uh, it's June 22nd. So there's still more, th- still more things that could be added to the card. Uh, it's it's kind of underwhelming, to be honest. Of course, a lot of these fighters are very high level, but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of draws on it. I don't I don't know how well it's going to be viewed uh, in terms of how many people watch it. Um, Hanato Moisano is the ma- Moisano is the main event against the Korean Zombie. Uh, the Korean Zombie had debatably the fight of the year. It was actually in the running for fight of the year against Yair Rodriguez. That was his last fight. He got knocked out literally in the last second. Like, he got knocked out at 4 minutes, 59 seconds of the fifth round of his last fight. So, I'm interested to see how he comes back from that. That was just... Like, it was one of, that was one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen. It was like that upwards elbow. It was it was absolutely crazy. Um, we got Brian Barbarina fighting again. He's, he's, a, he's a brawler. That's going to be a fun fight to watch. Uh, Kevin Holland, he's a pretty, he's a pretty solid striker. Um, on the prelims, we have, funny that we see on the prelims, we have Alan Crowder. Hmm. He was just a main event, and then he got illegally need by Greg Hardy, who I think is a scumbag. Um, and now he's back on the, uh, the prelims, which I think is a pretty main deal. It's, it's a pretty bad deal for him. He was, he just had a main event, and he's back on the prelims which is extremely unfortunate. I feel like that opportunity was stolen from him. Uh, and I don't even think that that fight should have been made. Like, Greg Hardy... Like, we already know that Greg Hardy has being the co-main event in his contract. I don't know why Dana White would do that. It's just like a CM Punk all over again. Of course, he did win against Dmitry Smolyakov. Uh, but Dmitry Smolyakov, he's... Man, he's 9-3... and three, uh, he has a pretty, I mean, of course, it's a solid record, but that was his first fight in the UFC. It, 
it just didn't look great. His, I mean, he took a, a good, a sizable stint out of the UFC. Uh, his last fight before January was in January of 2017. And then he fought in January in a small promotion. And then he's fighting in the UFC against Greg Hardy in a co-main event. Doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't sound like someone who's deserving of a co-main event. Uh, along with Greg Hardy. That was just two people in a co-main that just shouldn't have been there. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't a pay-per-view because if I had to pay to see that, I would have been extremely angry. I'm kind of just frustrated that Greg Hardy is in the UFC at all. Uh, I love the company very obviously. So seeing that the company that I support so much is supporting this guy is, is just rough, you know. Uh, moving on from that, it's funny how all that started from me talking about Alan Crowder, but moving on from that, the next card after that would be UFC on ESPN3, which was supposed to be Tyron Woodley against Robbie Lawler. That was supposed to be the main event. That's the fight that I'm most excited for, other than International Fight Week. Like, that fight was going to be absolutely crazy. I love Robbie, watching Robbie Lawler fight, as every fight fan should. Robbie Lawler is a monster. And Tyron Woodley, of course, explosive, former champion. Uh, I mean, he's one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Uh, no one can take that away from him. Of course, he just lost to Kamaru Usman, who is a, a straight-up monster. So, that fight was going to be great, but Tyron Woodley pulled out. So, we are waiting to see who is going to be fighting Robbie Lawler on January tw June 29th, my apologies, uh, at the Target Center. We have Juicy A from Miga on that fight, fighting Joseph Benavidez. Uh, that's a flyweight. That's that's the only flyweight fight that I've seen on a card pretty recently, actually. We got Damian Maya fighting Anthony Rocco Martin at welterweight. Uh, I have a feeling that Damian Maya is going to win that one. Don't quote me on it, though. We got Sergio Pettis moving up to Bantamweight to fight Ricardo, Ro Ricardo Hamos. I uh, got Eric Anders who got absolutely mollywhopped in his last fight against Khalil Roundtree, who looked amazing. He actually went to Thailand to train with Mo uh, Tiger Muay Thai, one of the most famous Muay Thai teams in the world. They have a, a plethora of world champions, um, people who are amazing at the art of Muay Thai. Uh, and it obviously proved very successful for him. And he's also said that he's going to go actually move his family there. He's going to train there for uh, an extended period of time. So... You know, it was really cool to see that that worked for him. You got Jared Gordon. He's a pretty good fighter. And that's about it for the big names. Or the bigger names. Uh, after that, we got a pay-per-view, UFC 239. That is the one that we're all looking for. That's one we're all excited for. Uh, International Fight Week, July 6th. We got John Jones fighting Thiago Santos. We got Amanda Nunes fighting Holly Holmes, so someone is getting knocked out in one of those two fights. I guarantee it. If they don't, I don't even know what's going on. We got Francis Ngannou fighting Junior Dos Santos. Someone's getting knocked out in the first three fights. In all of the first three fights, someone is getting knocked Not first three. In all the last three fights, someone's getting knocked out. We got Jorge Masvidal fighting Ben Askren. That's crazy. Uh, they hate each other, very obviously. Jorge Masvidal is just a G. Like, if you don't like Jorge Masvidal, I don't even know what to tell you. Uh, he's hilarious. He gave he gave Leon Edwards the three-piece with the soda after him knocking out Darren Till in spectacular fashion. And then he made a shirt about it. 
Um, we got Ben Askren. He's all right. I mean, he's a great wrestler. He's a great champion. Eh. Jan Blockwitz is fighting Luke Rockhold, who's coming up to 205 from 185 for the first time. I'm very interested to see how Luke Rockhold, uh, how he performs at a higher weight. I think that it's going to be really good for him. Uh, he said himself that the weight cut to 185 was killing him. He's a huge guy. He's 6'3". Uh, most of the guys at 185 are about six foot, 5'11", 6 foot. So he's pretty oversized for that division. I could see Chris Weidman doing the same. He's also a massive dude. His training partner, uh, Gian Vellante, fights at light heavyweight already, and he's actually smaller than Chris Weidman. So I'm honestly surprised that Chris is still fighting at middleweight. Um, he is doing it successfully. He hasn't been complaining about the weight cut as much, but we can, you know, we can see with our eyes that he is, you know, a little bit too big for that division. Because I think he is a little bit taller than Luke Rockhold himself. Uh, on the prelims, we have. Gilbert Melendez fighting Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen's a really good fighter. I, I'm pretty interested to see. We got we got Sean O'Malley coming back from his suspension, uh, fighting Marlon Vera. We got Claudia Gadella fighting Ronda Marcos. We have one of my favorites, favorite fighters ever, Diego Sanchez fighting Michael Chiesa. Guys, that is a sleeper fight. That is going to be awesome. Diego can still bring it. He's he's getting up there in age, but still a bad dude. Uh, Michael Chiesa just came up to welterweight and fought Carlos Condit in his last fight, Diego's teammate at Jackson Wink, um, and uh, and defeated him with a straight-arm Kimura uh, submission that's very weird. It's it's not an Americana, which would attack the, uh, the elbow instead of your shoulder. He still attacked the shoulder, which made it a... Uh, straight arm Kimura, which is a very interesting submission. You really don't see it that much. I don't think I've seen it in the UFC before. It might have happened in jiu-jitsu competition, but it's uh, it was very interesting to see in mixed martial arts. In the early prelims that will be on ESPN+, Plus, of course, we have Edmund, super hard last name, fighting Jack Marshman. We have Alejandro Perez fighting Song Yadong. I'm just going to let you guys sit on that. Uh, after that, you got Fight Night 155, which will be on ESPN+. Plus. That looks pretty fun. Uh, it has Cynthia Calvillo in the main event fighting Livia Hinata Souza. Darren Elkins is on that card. Darren Elkins has one of the best comeback fights of all time against Mersan Bektik. If you haven't seen that fight, go watch it. Uh, the end of it, it'll bring a tear to your eye, man. It's a really good one. He digs deep. Uh, we have Marvin Vittori, or Darren Elkins is fighting Ryan Hall. Uh, Marvin Vittori is fighting Cesar Ferrara. Fer- Ferreira. We have Benil Darius fighting Jakar Close. Sarah McMahon is fighting again against Nico Montano, who was the inaugural flyweight champion and then didn't fight for a straight year, got stripped because she missed weight, uh, and now she's back. We got Benito Lopez fighting Marco Martin Day. Carl Robertson fighting John Phillips. And that is all the fights that are set for that. Um, other than that, there's only one fight set for UFC 240. That's Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Man, I'm that fight is super weird to me. I don't really like that. Uh, I think Alex Volkanovski definitely got snubbed. He just beat Jose Aldo, who was, you know, I think number two at the time. So, like, I don't, I don't get what the big deal is. If Alex said nowhere. 
I, d I highly doubt Alex said no, of course. I don't know what's going on in his camp. Uh, it's just a super weird thing to me. Frankie hasn't even fought this year. You know, his last win was at a season against Cub Swanson, and before that he got knocked out by by uh, Brian Ortega, who's a jiu-jitsu specialist. That just doesn't sit right with me personally. Um, UFC 241, that has three... It only has three fights set right now, but they're three, like, of the best fights I've ever seen. DC versus Steve Bay, two. We got Nate Diaz coming back finally, moving up to welterweight, fighting Anthony Pettis, who just moved up to welterweight. That's going to be awesome. We have Yoel Romero fighting Paulo Costa, the eraser, the soldier of God versus the eraser. That should be the main event. I don't care that Steve Bay versus DC is for the title. That fight... Like they're gonna hit each other, and a black hole is gonna open up in the middle of the, in the middle of the octagon. I don't even know what's gonna happen. Someone's teeth are falling out. Oof, that that one's scary. We're gonna be able to visually see like CTE develop. Uh, I know I already spoke about the fight between uh, Daniel Cormier and Steve Bamiotic once earlier in the show, but I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into it. Um, it's a really good matchup, of course. We've we've already seen the matchup. Uh, DC knocked him out in the first round pretty spectacularly coming out of the clinch with a very clean right hook. It's a really hard fight to pick because we know the capabilities of both of them and they are both very excellent in their specific styles. Uh, Stipe is an excellent wrestler in his own right but of course Daniel Cormier is an Olympic wrestler so he's on a whole nother level that way. But Stipe does have good enough wrestling to have some pretty significant takedown defense. Uh, that I do believe Daniel Cormier had a little bit trouble dealing with in the first fight. Uh, it was mostly on the feet, but of course you got to take that with a grain of salt because the fight ended pretty quick. Ended a lot quicker than a lot of us thought it was going to. But then you got to take into account the fact that Daniel Cormier has never lost at heavyweight, never. And it was the the thing that we forgot during the first fight. That that's something that's gonna be very fresh in everyone's mind going into this fight. Stipe knows it also, though, and Stipe has said himself that during the first fight, he was overconfident. He let himself, you know, he put himself into a position where his chin was up coming out of the clinch. If he's smart, he's been, he's had a whole year to work on this. The first fight happened sometime in June. Uh, that was June, I want to say 26th of last year, 2018, and it's, he has more than a year to reflect on his mistakes and, you know, see how he can do better in that fight to get his belt back. And I know for a fact he's been waiting for so long, he is chomping at the bit to get a Dan Cormier. So while we do know what to expect from the fight, at the same time, we know nothing because they've had different experiences over the past year, you know, uh, Danny Cormier, he's been out with injury for a long time. He's had some serious back problems, so he hasn't been training as much. So Stipe, he's he's had a little bit of a training advantage over Danny Cormier. And plus, he's had the advantage of only training for Daniel Cormier. He knew for a fact that the next person he was going to fight was DC. DC, he could have been fighting anybody. He fought Derek Lewis. It was expected that he was going to defend his belt at light heavyweight, but then John Jones came back and that kind of threw... You know, some salt in that party. Uh, but Stipe has a, a significant advantage in that regard. It's a different fight. 
it's a different it's a different year. They're basically different fighters at this point. So you know, we gotta take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. No idea what's gonna happen there, but we know it's gonna be a good fight. They they both they both bring it. Uh Anthony Pettis and Nick Diaz, they got beef. So that's gonna be the build up to the fight is gonna be fun. It's gonna be some good trash talk. It's gonna be a very interesting fight because of their styles. Like, they both have a pretty unique style in the sense that they both have an excellent ground game. I believe they're both... I know for a fact that Nate Diaz is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm not too sure about Anthony Pettis. He might be a brown belt. Um, but they both have an excellent ground game. They both submitted some very high-level jiu-jitsu guys. Uh, but it seems to me, from my perspective, that they don't use their uh, jiu-jitsu as an offensive weapon. They use it more as a defensive. Like, if they get taken down... They go to that instead of trying to get back up uh, because both of them are so comfortable on the ground. So I don't really see that happening at all during this fight, which I think is going to make it very exciting. They both know that going to the ground with either one of them has dire consequences and they're going to be in a fight for their life basically if they go down there. Uh, I feel like they both feel like are going to feel like they have a better chance of being successful in the fight if they stand on the feet and uh, just you know trade that way. If you go to the ground, it's really anyone's fight at that point. Uh, of course, we saw Anthony Pettis knock out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson with an excellent, excellent, spectacular punch uh, flying off the cage. You know, Anthony Pettis by the cage is a very dangerous place. He likes to use it. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, Anthony Pettis' Showtime kick where he jumped off the cage and smacked Ben, and ben Anderson or Ben Henderson in the face with his foot, uh, you gotta go see that. One of the best techniques that anyone's ever seen in mixed martial arts. So, it's definitely gonna be an exciting fight. Uh, if you miss it, feel bad for you. I'm definitely gonna be watching it live on my TV at home. That's literally all the fights. That's every single fight that is upcoming. There might be some more fights that are speculated, but those are the ones that are uh, confirmed, or at least close to being confirmed. Going on from there... Three divisions are really going off in the UFC right now. The lightweight division, the welterweight division, and the middleweight division. And the light heavyweight division is kind of coming up, but really those are the three that are like absolutely insane right now. We have Khabib fighting Dustin Poirier in September most likely. We have Cerrone on a crazy win streak. Most likely going to get a title shot in the near future. If he, I have a feeling that uh, him fighting Tony Ferguson will be a title eliminator. The winner of that will be fighting the winner of Khabib versus Poirier. Um, I'm super. I'm really mad that I'm not gonna be seeing that. I mean, I have every opportunity. I had every opportunity to, and just didn't come to fruition. We have three contenders in the division: in Michael Chiesa, uh, Kevin Lee, and Anthony Pettis leaving the division, which I think puts it in a pretty weird spot. Uh, kind of creates a little bit of a power vacuum, which I think would be really cool. I'm interested, I'm interested to see who comes up and fills that void. In the welterweight division, we have a recent injection of new blood. Of course, in those three names that I just stated, Kiesa, Lee, and Pettis, leaving and coming up to that division. Um, we have also Nate Diaz. It looks like he's just going to stay at welterweight. He doesn't want to cut weight anymore, which I don't blame him for. On top of that, we have guys that are already in the division, such as Vicente Luke, who just got a pretty good victory over Derek Krantz. Um, we have Ben Askren, who just got over here from 1FC that I've already talked about. We have 
uh, Kevin Lee that just came in. I'm pretty sure I just talked about him like three seconds ago. But an interesting thing about that, he lost, but he got to number 13 on the rankings, knocking out Mike Perry, who just won against a very solid competitor in Alex Oliveira. Um, I don't know how that works. Rankings are obviously always screwy, but the welterweight division is super exciting right now. Of course, Tyron Woodley is out of his bout with Robbie Lawler. I really want to see who Robbie Lawler is going to end up fighting. Whoever it is, I feel sorry for him. Even if they win, they're still going to have a really bad night. Um, something that I do want to say, though, I think Darren Till really needs to move up to middleweight. He needs a fresh start. He, he's coming off of a couple of pretty rough losses. He got absolutely starched by Jorge Masvidal in his, in his last fight. And when I say absolutely starched, like, it was a legitimately concerning knockout. Like, he was asleep for a solid 30 seconds at the very least. Um, his head bounced off the canvas in a way that nobody likes seeing. It's one of those things, you you can see that he is way too big for welterweight. That's just a fact. Like, even if the UFC didn't just take out weight cut altogether, even if they didn't go the 1FC route, I mean, there's some something needs to happen. Like, even if they restricted the amount of weight that you could cut, I think that would help. Like, if if you're naturally... 205 pounds, you probably shouldn't be fighting at 170. Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me. The fluid is a la- the fluid in your brain is the last thing to get rehydrated after a weight cut. So, it's just leading to more and more head trauma. Um, and it's a, it's a really scary thing to see, especially when we're seeing, like, a lot of athletes uh, who are professionals in contact sports and not even professionals in contact sports in cases of football. Uh, having really, really serious ramifications later in life from their careers. Um, Moving on to the middleweight division, Anderson Silva is not going to be out for an extended period of time. He doesn't have any ligament or tendon injury after his last fight with Jared Cannonier. Um, Jared Cannonier looked really good in his last one. It was kind of unfortunate to see how the fans treated him, though, in Curitiba. I would have liked... I, of course, they're not going to, like, cheer for him. Anderson's their guy. He's the GOAT. But I would have liked to see him be a bit more respectful, at least. But, I mean, hey, they're all fired up. That that fight card, that was, I believe, 237. That was a pretty good one. That was pretty fun to watch. Rose had a pretty, uh... Pretty... Sh- she, she got the short of the stick, definitely. But she she looked really, really good. Uh, she she was talking about retiring after the fight. I hope she doesn't, um, because her striking was was out of this world to me. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone with that good of footwork, like in MMA in general. That was incredible. She honestly reminded me of Lomachenko a little bit, which is probably a stretch. Someone's gonna probably call me out for that being a stretch. Uh, but you know she was pumping her jab really well. She was moving. She was catching angles. She was. I could see where she was coming from, where she was defending the takedown with that Kimura. And, but it's just, you know, Jessica found the workaround to her workaround, pretty much. Um, Dominic Cruz kind of got caught with his foot in his mouth during that fight because he said, you can't slam her from that position. And then, like, as he said it, she got slammed directly on her head. Uh, there was a lot of talk about that slam being illegal. But it wasn't. Uh, of course, spiking opponents on their head is illegal unless you are trying to escape a submission. 
Rose held on to that Kimura. Uh, if she let go of that, she probably she probably would have uh, not been knocked out one, as Cormier, Daniel Cormier stated that during that fight also. Uh, her holding the Kimura is what basically held her head down vertical uh, towards the ground. Um, and also, Vaslam, uh, man, that fight, um, it's kind of disappointing to see that that fight didn't um, go on longer. I don't think it was a fluke. I think that Jessica knew what she was doing. She wasn't just going out there willy-nilly and just throwing Rose around, even though that is what it looked like, but that is what it is. Uh, the light heavyweight division is seeing a bit of a resurgence at the moment. They have a good amount of really good fighters coming in and coming up through the rankings. They got Johnny Walker, who is super explosive, super fun to watch. Uh, they have Dominic Reyes, uh, who in his last fight fought Vulcan Ozdemir. Now, this fight was really weird to me. I don't know if he should have won that fight. It was a split decision. That was some really questionable judging, in my opinion. We also have Luke Rockhold coming up, as I've said a few times now. I want to talk about that a little bit, his fight with Jan Blachowicz. So, because Luke is a very polarizing figure in MMA, uh, because of his personality, and if you don't know about Luke Rockhold and his personality... He's an asshole. Um, that's that's just it, plain and simple. But he is also an amazing fighter. Uh, people are kind of confusing his personality with his ability. I understand that in his last couple fights he got knocked out, and there is there is still that glaring hole in his game, which is how his right hand drops, opening him up for that left hook that Michael Bisping knocked him out with. That is still there. Um, I saw I saw a few of his uh, sparring videos, or I saw some of his sparring footage, and it looks like that's still hanging down there. Hopefully he buttons that up. I think he's going to need to. I mean, you really can't get away with that kind of stuff and that at that heavy of a weight. It takes a lot less to knock you out. Or I wouldn't say it takes less, but it it's easier. There's so much more weight behind the punches. There's so much more power. I mean, he, he really is going to have to button that up if he uh, if he's going to have the same type of success that he had at middleweight at at light heavyweight. Um, but other than that, though, if he if he goes grappling heavy, then I think that he can do really anything. He he has some of the best jujitsu in the UFC, which a lot of people seem to forget. He's a great wrestler. He his when he's on top, when he's in top position, he is one of the most scary people on the planet, other than Khabib. So, I honestly see Luke Rockhold winning that fight. Uh, Jan Blachowicz is an amazing fighter in his own right. I just see it going a different way for him, unfortunately. Uh, so, I kind of I want to go on to judging in MMA. It's been, it's been questionable. I actually started writing for this podcast. Uh, I started writing content for this podcast, collecting content right after the card with Ozdemir and Dominic Reyes. I don't remember which card that was at the moment. But it was something that I wanted to talk about because it ha we've seen it happen many times. Uh, GSP versus Johnny Hendricks. You know, Hendricks probably should have won that one. Machida versus Shogun. Ben Henderson versus Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar versus Greg Maynard. 
shouldn't have been a draw. Uh, and most recently, uh, D- Vulcan Uzumi versus Dominic Reyes. It seems to me that, and I know this is, that this is an opinion that's well shared, that's widely shared within the MMA community, that judges need to have at least some experience in MMA. You know, a lot of them were, are coming over for boxing. Boxing is a completely different sport. It's a completely different sport. Like, you get a head kicked in boxing, there's a huge issue. How do you score a head kick? How do you score a Kimura? How do you score a triangle? Like, these are things that these guys in boxing, they don't even know what a triangle is most of the time. They don't even know what a, they don't know what an Americana is. You think if they see a Gogo Plata happening or an Omo Plata happening, they're going to know what's going on? I mean, if it's just as good as taking someone off the street who you have no idea of their background and having them judge. You probably have better luck with that. So, I mean, there needs to be a reform. There just needs to be. Because the incompetence in judging isn't victimless. It's taking money out of the fighters' pockets. It's taking food off of their family's table. It's, it's not a victimless crime. It needs to be fixed. As I said at the beginning of the show, this is, a, this is an incredibly exciting time for MMA in general. Mostly because, in my opinion, of the rise of 1FC. There's finally a promotion that can go head-to-head with the UFC. I mean, Bellator is there, and Bellator is big, but it's not, it's not, it's nowhere near the level of the UFC. Nowhere near it. But, 1FC is. They possess the best talent outside of the UFC or Bellator. Uh, Their fights are consistently exciting. They have excellent matchmaking. There's a strange thing happening. Fighters are coming over from the UFC are having trouble finding success. You know, Sage Northcutt is a, a example that's fresh in our minds. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, you know, that, that happened. They both got starched in the first round of their fights. Of course, Eddie Alvarez got TKO's. So it's a little bit different. But you can see that there's some amazing talent that we really were unaware of over at, in 1FC. You know, Mighty, even Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson who is widely regarded as the pound-for-pound top, the pound-for-pound number one uh, in the world. He got more tested than most of his fights in the UFC or the WEC, except for Dominic Cruz. And that one fight with Ian McCall, but I kind of think that was a fluke. Um, there, and, of course, Henry Cejudo, our Olympic gold medalist savior, uh, as he likes to let us know. Uh, I mean, 1FCs are already more popular than the UFC in Asia. And, on top of that, it seems like it's better for the fighters. They're paying them really well. They're not allowing weight cutting. It seems like they're a lot more invested in fighter health than uh, any other promotion out there right now. On top of that, they do not have the fun police known as USADA. So, that's just another benefit for them. Uh, I'm sure they do have testing, but it's a little bit more like the Wild West. It's a little bit more fun, a little bit, a little bit more like the old days, but with a uh, more professional twist. I think it's great for the fighters. Congratulations to the fighters over there. Uh, congratulations to that business. They're doing great things. You know, Rich, Rich Franklin, who is one of the pioneers of this sport, is very heavily involved with that.
All right, before I end the show, uh, I know that probably that he's probably not going to listen to this, but I would just like to say congratulations to Rashad Evans for making it into the modern wing of the UFC Hall of Fame. He's one of my favorite fighters ever. His head kick knockout of Sean Salmon is on almost every highlight reel uh, that exists. Uh, he's a pioneer of the sport, man. Winner of season two of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, one of the bigger proponents of the Black Zillions gym. Uh, man, not you can't say enough about the guy, enough good things about the guy. He's a great analyst. He's a great journalist. Uh, not journalist, but great host of the UFC shows. You know, it's it's just great to see a good guy like him get this recognition. Uh, so congratulations to him. All right, guys, that is the end of my first episode of the Gladiator Hour. Uh, follow me on social media. My Twitter and my Instagram are both at Gladiator Hour. No spaces, all lowercase. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you guys have any comments, uh, concerns, questions, or just want to reach out and say hi, please uh, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Instagram, DM me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you got this far, I appreciate it so much. Uh, My next episode will be out next Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening once again. And with that, my name is Ryan Johnston. I am signing off.